the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Bob Lapine, those of you who are old friends who have uh, listened over the years on Family Life today, hello to you. I know this is not the time you usually are used to hearing me, but it's nice to connect right here. Those of you who we uh, have not met, hello. Let me introduce myself, Bob Lapine. Uh, good to be with you this afternoon with lots to think about and lots to talk about here in Southern California, appreciate the opportunity to connect with you guys today, and I, I want us to um, I want us to just pull back for a second and and kind of take our own emotional temperature. Okay, I, I just ask yourself a little self diagnosis here. How how are you doing today? Would you say that you're chill? I mean, everything's kind of okay. You're chill. You're doing fine, relaxed, not agitated about much. Would you say you're overheated? Um, you you uh, are stirred up. You're stressed. Uh, would you just say it's a normal day? I mean, you know, you're, you're not chill, but you're not overheated. You're just kind of in the middle somewhere. Uh, I, I think... Uh, depending on what you've been doing today, depending on how much time you've been spending online, how much time you've been spending with media, how much time you've been spending engaging with people on uh, hot button issues, that that's what can often determine how we're doing in a particular day. Maybe it's personal stuff, maybe something with the boss, maybe something with a spouse or a friend or something that's got you stirred up. But oftentimes it's scrolling through your Twitter feed or you watch something on cable news or you heard something, you heard about the update on what's going on right now in Afghanistan. And I mean, it's easy to get um, angry. It's easy to get uh, we, we like to say we're we're, frust- we're Christians, so we're frustrated. We don't get angry. We get frustrated. It's easy to get frustrated. It's easy to be stressed out about things, uh, to, to look at the condition of the culture or, or things in the news and, and to worry, to be anxious, to be fearful. I mean, that, that's a real thing with all that we've got going on in our world right now. And here's what I want us to think about in our time together here this afternoon. I want us to think about not not only where we are temperature-wise, but then how that affects what comes out of our mouths. And the reason for this is, is simple. I, first of all, you need to know, I think you probably do know, there's a whole industry that exists in social media, online, uh, cable talk, um, mainstream news talk, uh, not not here. I mean, it's our goal here not to try to 
generate anxiety or stress or fear. Our our goal here is to try to to bring the truth of God's word to bear on the events of the day. But there's a whole industry that exists to try to get you riled up because they've learned, they know your your buttons, they know your algorithms, they know when you get riled up, when you get agitated, when you get passionate about something, um, you stay with them longer. When they say, we've, we've got breaking news, you, you hang in there, and they want to just keep your ears. They want to keep you active, want to keep you clicking. They've got you on the hook, and they don't want to let you go. And we, we want to stay informed. We want to know what's going on in our world, but it's not easy to do that without being manipulated by these industries that want us to be riled up. The thing is, what does Jesus want? So I, I want us to, we're going to talk about how we respond, specifically how we speak or how we type or how we engage with others around the issues of our day in a way that ultimately Jesus is pleased with, in a way that represents him well. Because honestly, guys, I'm concerned that we've got a whole culture of people who say they are followers of Jesus, but when they open their mouths, they don't represent him well. Because of how stirred up and agitated we can get, because of what's going on in our world, it is easy for us to just fall into ungodly habits or patterns. It's easy for us to fall into the same speech patterns that the people on cable news are using. It's easy for us to vent and to think this is okay, that our passion's okay. If our cause is righteous, then it's okay to be prophetic. Some people will say, well, I'm just, you know, I've, I've got a prophet streak in me, or I just, I'm passionate about it. It's okay to be passionate, but listen to me. The Bible gives us very clear, very honest instruction about how we're to use our speech and our words. And, and, you need to stop and think about this for just a second. How we express ourselves may be as important as whether we're right about what we're saying. Do you hear that? The, the way you present what you believe may be as significant. In some cases, it may be more significant than the rightness or the wrongness of what you're saying. If you read first or read the Gospel of John, chapter one, John is describing for us God come to earth. Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. The Word becomes flesh and dwells among us. And John makes this statement. He says, We beheld his glory, the glory of Jesus, the glory of God represented in Jesus. We beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten Son of the Father, catch this, full of grace and truth, full of both. Jesus is not 50% grace and 50% truth. He is 100% grace, 100% truth. He has it mastered how he can stand for truth and be truth, represent truth, and represent grace side by side. We're not, we're not experts at that, are we? I mean, some of you 
shy away from truth because you don't want to ruffle any feathers. That was not Jesus. Some of you shy away from grace because you're passionate about the truth. We shouldn't be shying away from either one. If you can't speak the truth in love, you shouldn't be speaking. Both have to be present. Let me read a couple of passages, okay? And and I want us to be thinking about this. Later on this hour, Dan Darling is going to join us. Dan is a friend. He's an author and a pastor. He's written a book about how we engage with others online, how we do that in a way that is civil, that that we fulfill our, our responsibility as ambassadors for Christ. But let me just let me just give you a couple of passages just to chew on as we think about this in this hour. James, the half-brother of Jesus, in James chapter 3, says this. He says, the tongue is a fire. We know a little bit about the damage that a spark can do. I mean, we we see that over and over again in California, don't we? That a, a fire, a small fire, something that did not seem significant. Something that was started by a spark can destroy acres. The tongue is a fire. This is your tongue, my tongue. The tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. The tongue has power. Life and death are in the power of the tongue, the Bible says. How we use our tongue can bring life or destruction. How we engage with our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, family members, on personal issues or on the cultural issues, how you talk with your friends about politics, about masks, about vaccines, how you talk with them about these subjects may be as important, may be more important than the rightness or the wrongness of the view you hold. Do you hear that? Okay, another verse for you. This is out of Ephesians chapter 4. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. By the way, in the original language, in the Greek, no corrupting talk. The word no means no, none, zero. Let zero corrupting talk come out of your mouths. You say, well, what's corrupting talk? Well, he goes on to say, the only thing you should be saying, the only kind of talk you should be using is talk that is good for building up, not for tearing down. I mean, we get into these conversations with people and we want to, you want to own the libs or, or you want to, you want to demonstrate the superiority. You want to out argue somebody. I, I, I understand this. Trust me. <laughs> I like debate. I like to engage with ideas. I like to toss this around. Only let what comes out of your mouth be something that is good for building up, that fits the occasion, 
and that gives grace to those who hear. You want to know what corrupting talk is? It's talk that doesn't build people up, doesn't fit the occasion, does not give grace to those who hear. Think back about your words today. Think back about the last time you got sideways with somebody at work or in your extended family when when all of a sudden you got passionate about something and and the whole conversation went sideways. Did the little spark of your tongue set a forest fire? Or think about the last time somebody was trying to engage you, trying to provoke something with you. Were you able to, in the midst of that, address that the way an ambassador for Jesus should address it? I mean, think about, think about that metaphor. The Bible says we are ambassadors for Christ. What does an ambassador do? An ambassador is somebody who lives in one country, uh, or he, he's, he's a citizen of one country, but he lives in a different country. So the citizen of one country goes to another country, and what does he go there for? To represent his homeland, to be the living, breathing representative of, of his homeland in this other country. So an ambassador is there to, to represent well the country he comes from. We are ambassadors for Christ, ambassadors for the kingdom of heaven. We are to use our words in such a way that when we communicate with people in this culture who are not a part of the kingdom of heaven, they see and hear clearly that we're representing our king, both in how we speak and in what we say. And a bad ambassador is somebody who not only gets the message wrong, but somebody who gets the tone wrong. Somebody who is is not a, a good representative, who doesn't represent his homeland or his culture well. So how how did you do with that today? How have you done with that? And and I know some of these conversations. Folks, look, I I am involved I, I pastor a local church. I, I will tell you that conversations about vaccines and masks in the years that I've been pastoring, these are some of the most passionate, most heated conversations. People are more agitated and more passionate. Honestly, they're more passionate about whether you should wear a mask than they are about the gospel in a lot of cases. Would that we were as passionate about spreading the gospel as we are about whether somebody ought to have a mask on or not. Would with, that we were as passionate about talking about Jesus as we are talking about whether you should get a vaccine or not or the recall election that's coming up or fill in the blank. We get stirred up over so many lesser things and we get all soft and we get all cozy and passive when it comes to Scripture. I mean, there there is less division in most churches among doctrinal issues than there is among issues of vaccines and masks. We, we, we would be friendlier with somebody who doesn't hold our view on Christology than we might be with somebody who doesn't hold our view on whether you should have a mask on or social distancing. I mean, this is, guys, this is the reality of the day we're in. And I, I just think it's important for us to stop and say, okay, how can I 
change the way that I'm representing Jesus with my words so that um, I'm, I'm putting the glory of God on display. I'm living differently. I'm not getting sucked in to the, the maelstrom of division that is being fomented here. Now, we can talk about this, and, and I hope, you know, I say if you want to call in. Okay, so if you want to call in, I hope we can talk about this in a way that is civil. I'm not saying don't be passionate about what you believe. I'm just going back to Ephesians. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Talk that is good for building up, that fits the occasion, that gives grace to those who hear. It goes on to say, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. When, when, you, are, when you are using corrupting talk, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. And then it says this, are you ready? Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. So I'm talking to those of you who, I said, take your temperature. Where are you on the scale? I'm talking to those who would say, I'm overheated a little bit today. And, and I have a right to be because this is happening and that's happening and this happened to me. My wife said this to me. Whatever's causing you to be overheated, let bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with malice. Instead, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. How's your speech? How are your interactions with other people? I I know some of us, we get in situations, and I've done this, where where we're just not going to say anything. And, you know, sometimes that's the best strategy because it's not going to be profitable to say anything. But but do we know how how to use kind words? Do we know how to diffuse a situation where passion is overheating? Do we know how to how to call people to civility? Civility, that's what we're talking about. First of all, do we recognize the essential dignity of every person we're talking to? Even the people who you disagree with politically, the people that you would disagree with about issues, do you understand you're talking to somebody who is an image bearer of God? And and do you respect that? I mean, if they're an image bearer of God, here's here's a good question for you. If you were expressing the view you're expressing with the passion you're expressing, if you were expressing it to Jesus and you knew that Jesus didn't exactly agree with you on this, would you still be expressing it the same way? You go, well, if it was Jesus, I'd, I'd just say, Lord, correct my thinking. Okay, so there'd be some humility there, maybe? Maybe you can have a little humility when you talk with your friends who are image bearers of God, even people who vote different than you, even people who think different from you. Can you demonstrate some respect and some civility for that person who is created in the image of God? I want us to go through, I'm going to talk with Dan Darling after after we take a quick break. We're going to talk, Dan's an author, he's written a book called Away With Words. He has some very helpful suggestions for us on how we can pull back and be more thoughtful. I mean, somebody said, I forget who it was said this to me years ago, he said, 
um, the, the tongue should not be in gear. What was it? The tongue should not be in, in gear unless the brain is engaged. We, we should be thoughtful. We should, it, rather than just blurting out whatever comes into your head, you, you, should, you should be thoughtful about what you do. So we're going to provide some guidelines for you. Uh, Dan's going to join us after we take a break. If you'd like to join us, the number is 888-528-2557. 888-52-TALKS is the number to call if you'd like to join us. I'm Bob Lapine. We will be back and continue the conversation in just a minute. Stay with us. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven eight 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 five two talks. Bob Lapine with you this afternoon. We're talking about how we talk. We're talking about the words we use. We're talking about how we represent Christ in in how we speak to one another. How we apply Ephesians four twenty nine and following in our lives. How we keep our tongue from being a spark that sets forest fires all around us. How do we, is there a way that we can be a part of dialing back some of the flaming rhetoric that is has become the staple of online conversations and cable news and mainstream talk radio? Is there a way that we can represent a different way? I saw a tweet yesterday from a seminary professor who said, um, snarky tweets, especially tearing down another person, can feel so good. But it eats away at your soul and everyone that gets on board. Then he said, my most popular tweet was snarky. Got me thousands of likes, hundreds of retweets. I still think I was right, but I regret using my voice that way. That's a good word. I mean, it, for him to say, I still think I was right. We, we can be right about something and still be wrong in how we express it. In how we, you've, you've learned that in marriage, right? You've learned that in how you communicate together with your spouse. You've learned that in personal relationships. Well, it's no less true in our interactions in real life with people on issues of politics and vaccinations and masking and all of the stuff we're dealing with. It's, it's also no less true in how we're doing that online. And that's, that's really why I wanted to get my friend, Dan Darling joining with us this afternoon. Uh, he's on the line, Dan, welcome to uh, KKLA. Hey, Bob, it's great to be on with you today. Uh, Dan, and love, love talking about this issue. Well, and I love having you talk about it because Dan is a good thinker. He he is a good model. You can follow him on Twitter for a, I think, a good model of how to moderate, how to express yourself in a way that is humble, a way that is is still, you can express your, your views candidly, but you could do it in a way that's respectful. Dan's a pastor. He's an author. He's written nine books. The, the book that he wrote called Away With Words, the subtitle is Using Our Online Conversation for Good. And I, I think there are some people, in fact, you may have done this, Dan, they, they look at social media and Twitter and go, 
I just got to get out of here because it's a cesspool and it's irredeemable. And have have you ever done a, a, a fast from social media for a period of time just to kind of cleanse your soul? Yeah, I have. And I do recommend it, you know, and everyone has to kind of decide what level of engagement they want to do uh, on, on, online. Um, I mean, on the one hand, you have a couple, you have a couple of extremes. Yeah. On the one hand, people who are always online and they kind of live online, they're shaped by the online discourse and, kind of out of touch with kind of real life. On the other hand, I think you have people who are just totally disengaged. And, and I think everyone has to decide their level. But I do think as um, people who live in the 21st century, uh, there's something to be said for in being a, uh, in the place where the conversations are happening uh, and how to shape those. Um, and I think Christians um, shouldn't be shaped by the digital, you know, kind of new digital rules. But also we should try to seek to uh, bring some uh, bring the kingdom of God to bear on social media, and, and how can we almost be countercultural even in the way that we engage? It's like it, it, there is a Mars Hill, and we've got to go there and, and make our mm-hmm. case there. But but if you find, I would say, if you find yourself regularly uh, becoming stirred up and agitated and frustrated and angry, then maybe you need to go to the corner and cool off. Hey, take a time out, right? Take a little break until yeah. you can until you can engage in a sanctified way with people. There's something about the the faceless interaction that we have with people online. The fact that, you know, we're just sitting at a keyboard, it's like I can fire this up. I can get snarky. I can mm-hmm. say that and I can get away with that. And we forget there are other real people on the other side of that screen that we're talking about who are reading this, right? That's exactly right. Um, I mean, we, you know, the, the way that we communicate has been flattened, and so we are tempted to not see the full humanity of the person on the other side of Twitter or the other side of Facebook. Um, and we, we also tend to reduce people down to that one opinion they have that we don't like. I mean, they may be wrong, but they're not the sum total of their opinion. They're whole people made in the image of God. Uh, I think we also forget, Bob, that we're in public. Uh, and, and I think about this a lot. So let's let's say, for instance, you're someone who has maybe 100 friends on Facebook uh, or maybe 100 followers on Twitter or Instagram, which is not hard to do. Um, you know, that doesn't sound like a lot, but imagine you're you're in a room with 100 people and you call everyone to attention and you just start saying random things, right? Like you would you would moderate what you would say. You would, you would think about your words. Now imagine you have 1,000 or imagine you have 10,000. Now you're talking about a minor league baseball stadium, and then if you're engaging with someone who also has that many, you know, that's a lot of people. Uh, so I think we need to picture ourselves as being in public. So I do think we can have good conversations and we can have debates, but we need to picture ourselves. You know, if I'm disagreeing with you, Bob, about something, I need to not picture myself behind a laptop, but I need to picture myself, you and me, sitting on a stage having a reasonable debate in front of thousands of people, because that's really what it is, because people are watching. Um, and then understanding that we're talking with human beings. We're not talking with avatars. We're not talking with pixels. Yeah. Uh, you're on Twitter at Dan Darling, at Dan Darling. So folks want to follow you. And, and again, I think you're a good model for this. I, there are times I've tweeted stuff and gone, I, I need to take that down. I need to pull back. You've done the same thing, I know. But for the most mm-hmm. part, um, I try to apply Ephesians 429 and let no corrupting talk come out of my keyboard, you know, when I'm sitting down to do yeah. my Twitter. And and maybe before I press send, just pray and just say, Lord, is, is this what you want me to say? I mean, just pull back and take a breath before we just fire away. 
Yeah, I think so. And I, I periodically will put something out there. Then I'll say, you know, since I've done that, so I'll delete it or I'll like something, I'll unlike something. And I, I think the thing we have to constantly be asking ourselves is this may be a, a true statement. This may be something that I feel passionately about. Do I have to say this publicly? Uh, does this require something public from me? Or is this a thought that I text to a group of friends? You know, I have a, I have a, a text thread with a, a group of friends of like five other guys that, um, you know, we text each other our hottest takes, right? And <laughs> it never sees the light of day, thankfully, and it kind of saves us from that. Um, we have this idea, which I think is false, that I have to have an opinion about every single thing all the time. Um, you know, silence is violence and all that. And think about this, Bob. 20 years ago, I didn't know what some got random guy five states away thought about a major global crisis. I just didn't. You know, he wasn't putting out press releases. But now we feel like as soon as news breaks, i got to have an opinion. Now, sometimes it's worth having an opinion, and sometimes it's worth speaking out and expressing lament or, you know, sharing an article. I think all those things are good. We should use our voice and use our, uh, you know, platforms as, you know, to, to influence things for good. But we should resist the pressure that we have to say something publicly and we have to say something online. Um, I, I get a kick when something happens and people say, where are all the evangelical leaders on this? And I'm thinking, they're probably talking to their people right now. They're probably visiting someone in the hospital. They're probably talking to their staff. Just because they didn't fire off a hasty tweet doesn't mean they don't care about this issue. So I think we just have to really think through that. And, and maybe they're just taking a beat and, and just saying, wait, before I, before I speak – let me pray. Let, let let me think about this. Let let me, you know. I just don't want to. I just don't want to impulsively pull my gun out of my holster and say, "Here's what I think." Sometimes I need to just pull back and go. Let me think about that for a second, right? Yeah, that's so true, Bob. And I think James one nineteen is so instructive when he says, "Live room, be slow to speak, uh, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger." I think in this days we'd say, "Let everyone be quick to get the whole story." slow to post, and slow to digital rage. Um, you know, it's okay to wait 24, 48 hours to see a story develop before we express an opinion on it, because what ends up happening is, and we've seen these cases, Bob, where everybody piles onto a story or a person that we think has done something egregious, basically ruins that person's life, and then we find out two days later, oh, this was completely wrong. I mean, I right. think of... You know, this kid who was at the March for Life a few years ago, who was accused of something he didn't do. Everyone piled on because they saw part of a video. And then turns out, we got the full story. He ended up suing major news companies to say, you, you slandered me. Um, this happens a lot. And so I think we have to be the kind of people saying, I want to get it right before I get it out there. I want to read the whole story. I don't know enough about this. Uh, I want to see this develop. Um, it's it's especially important when it comes to issues we're passionate about and when it comes to politics because, you know, when we get into the political space or on various issues, because of our biases, we're, we want to believe the worst about the people with whom we disagree, and we want to believe the best about the people with whom we agree. So we think the other side, every bad story is true. They're all monsters. And about our side, Every story is true, and they're all angels. <laughs> and because of that impulsivity, we're prone to believe conspiracy theories. We're prone, prone to believe the worst things about people. And then we'll post quickly and then make fools of ourselves by posting things that aren't true. Yeah, that's confirmation bias at play here. Dan Darling's joining me uh, this afternoon. We're talking about how we 
engage with others in real life, online, how we communicate, how we represent Jesus well while we do this. You're welcome to join the conversation if you'd like at 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. We're going to come back and talk about whether we should speak out less or just differently. Dan Darling is our guest. I'm Bob Lapine. Back in a minute. Yeah, that's right, isn't it? We we all got a lot to say, and and there. What does the Bible say? In a multitude of words, there's much transgression. I think that's what the the passage says. We're talking about how we communicate about the tone of our speech, our words. We live in a culture today that is wanting to stir things up, wanting to rile things up. They they make a living off of you being agitated, and we have to, as followers of Christ, say, we're not going to do that. I'm Bob Lapine with you this afternoon. Dan Darling is joining us. Dan is an author. He's a pastor, lives in Nashville. He's a dad of four. His book is called Away With Words, and it's about how we engage in social media and how we engage online. And Dan, uh, uh, you've got a list in the book of questions we ought to ask ourselves before we engage in online dispute. This is probably good for any kind of public dispute, but I just want to run through this list because this is a list that I think would be good for people to have up uh, next to their keyboard, next to their screen. If, 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 you've got a, if you've got your phone, have this list in a in a separate message you can pull up and just review before you press send on things. Let me, I'll just, I'll go through these questions one at a time and let's talk about these. The first thing you say is, is this conflict a matter of Christian orthodoxy or a matter of foolish controversy? And the reason is because we're told in 2 Timothy, we're to avoid foolish controversies. So how do we determine whether this is something I need to speak out about? Or is this something that because it was a slow news cycle and the the media needed something to be urgent, they took something that was minor and made a mountain out of the molehill? Yeah, I think this is especially especially important on disagreements with fellow Christians, right? Uh, There are certain things about which, you know, the Church cannot disagree and cannot budge, right? The uh, historic uh, doctrines of the Christian faith that have... Uh, the Church has believed for 2,000 years, things like, you know, the virgin birth and the exclusivity of Christ, and, you know, biblical sexual ethic, and and, and and all those things that we we want to stand firm on. Then there's a lot of things that are matters of prudence that good people, um, you know, disagree on. They have opinions. Uh, they have valid opinions. They think it's very, very important, but they disagree on. And what I'm saying is we should, it's not that we shouldn't disagree. It's that when we do disagree on issues that are not matters of Christian orthodoxy, we should be clear about where we are, but be open-handed with the possibility that we may be wrong or that other people who come at it from a different perspective are not filled with malice. They just have a different uh, way of thinking about it. Yeah, so you're passionate about what you believe the Bible teaches about how we should practice baptism in the Church, right? Mm-hmm, right. right. And you're a, ba- so you're a Baptist, so we know what you believe. Right. I'm a con- conventional uh, Baptist, Southern Baptist. I believe in baptism by immersion. I'm a credo Baptist, as we call it. I have really hey. good friends and people I admire whose books I read who are Pado Baptists, who are Presbyterians, and they come at it from a different perspective, and they 
feel strongly about this. Um, I think they happen to be wrong. They think I happen to be wrong. You know, when we get to heaven, we may find out. I think we'll find out the Baptists were right, but maybe not. <laughs> but I think we have to be open-handed about it. And I think there's a way to state your case and say, this is where I land. This is where I, who I fellowship with in terms of the, the way I go to, where I go to church. And yet I, I, I see where other people are coming from, and we can be open-handed about this. One of the, the questions you say we should ask is, is what I'm about to say publicly, is it actually true? So, so before I tweet, do I know for sure that this is true, or is this just my neighbor said, or I saw this on Twitter, and, and now all of a sudden I'm taking it as it's true, and it's, it's not? Yeah, I mean, it, it's amazing we even have to say this, Bob, you know, because Christians are people about the truth, right? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Um, and we are the people who stand on truth. And yet, it's amazing to me when we get into digital space, it's almost like we forget about that and feel like, well, as long as this advances the cause, uh, I'm okay. And maybe we don't make quite that calculating of a decision, but we'll spread things that are kind of rumor-based or maybe uh, we don't know, or things that we desperately want to be true because they say something bad about someone we don't like. And I'm actually dismayed, Bob, that how often we will do this with fellow brothers and sisters, that we will mm-hmm. spread untruths, will slander and say things about other brothers and sisters that we disagree with, that we haven't verified is this true. We haven't had yeah. conversation. We don't, we don't know. We just, we just assume it is because it's on the Internet, uh, and we want to believe it. And I think we have to really avoid that. Uh, Philippians 4 says, think about what is true, right? And, and we want to score points for our side. So if we can get somebody right. and say, yeah, here's what they said, here's what they think without regard. We're, we're just trying to rack up points. We've got to be careful. You say, mm-hmm. uh, am I applying the law of love? That's another question to ask. And the law of love is, am I giving somebody the benefit of the doubt? Am I, am I giving them what R.C. Sproul used to call the judgment of charity? I think that's so important. Yeah, and man, when, when you say that, Sometimes people say, oh, you're just weak, or you're a squish, or you're whatever. But, you know, when I read the love chapter in 1 Corinthians, um, it says love believes all things. Uh, that doesn't mean we're naive. It doesn't mean we turn away when there's scandal. It doesn't mean when we, we cover up abuse. Um, but what I think it does mean is we give brothers and sisters the benefit of the doubt. In other words, let's not our first assumption be that the person we disagree with, or when we hear a hint of something, that's not the first something to be, be that that person is full of malice, that their their motives are so bad and they're so intense. We need to give each other the benefit of the doubt. And that's hard to do. That requires work. That requires patience and love. Um, but I do think this is what should separate Christians from the rest of the world, that we give someone the benefit of the doubt. I want to go through the rest of this list, and we may not get a chance to talk about this because we're running out of time, but these are so important, and these are in your book. I'd encourage people to get a copy of the book, Away With Words by Dan Darling, and and ask yourself, how am I doing? Especially if you're living a lot of life on Facebook, online, on Twitter, if you're engaging with people, if you're if you're trying to share ideas, make sure you're doing it in a way where your speech is God-honoring. You You say we should ask ourselves the question, what's, what's my heart motive in this? So critical to know what's the motive for here. Am I the right person to speak about this at this moment? It could be that God wants me to sit this one out. I mean, 
as you said, not yeah. the fact that you have a hot take doesn't mean you have to be the one to talk about it. And then That's am I exactly choosing? Right. Go, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think it's exactly right. Asking our motives. You know, why am I doing this? Um, and that we really have to ask ourselves. We could be doing something good and speaking about something good for bad motives. You know, am I doing this so that I can be a star with a certain tribe of people? Am I doing this so I can be noticed? Am I doing this so I can try to be a thing? Am I doing this to try to get attention? And that's a really thing we have to ask ourselves. I mean, there are perfectly good motives to do things, and there's bad motives. And we, we all we all have to ask ourselves, why exactly am I doing this? Yeah, and, and I'm going to let the Scripture have the last words, because the Scripture tells us that we are to let our, our words be seasoned with grace. And I think all all too often we season our words with a little hot sauce instead of a little grace. Dan, this has been so good, so helpful. Again, your book is called Away With Words. Thanks for joining us. And, and folks, I hope you'll apply this in in your speech, in your life, as you interact with people. Thanks for joining us, Dan. Let me just read this verse. Okay, this is from Colossians chapter 4, and I alluded to this a minute ago. Colossians 4, 6, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. What does that mean? Well, salt is that preservative agent. You know, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount was the one who said, you are the salt of the earth. Let your speech be seasoned with the saltiness of the gospel so that you can know how to answer each person. Look, we can do this. We can be kind, humble, tenderhearted. This is not beyond you, okay? You have God's Holy Spirit at work within you, producing in you the fruit of the Spirit. If you know Christ, you can be a kind, compassionate, gracious person with your speech, which is what the Bible says ought to be true about each one of us. It should not be the anomaly that a follower of Christ is somebody who is is kind and compassionate. That ought to be, in, in fact, in the first century, <laughs> In the first century, opponents to Christians used to comment about how they loved each other, how they were sacrificial, how they were kind. They were unlike other people. We should stand out for our kindness and our graciousness rather than than jumping in and saying, we're going to fight fire with fire. No, let's fight fire with gospel. Let's fight anger with the peace of Christ. Let's fight anxiety with the peace of Christ. Let's be people whose speech is always gracious gracious and seasoned with salt, okay? Uh, let me tell you about tomorrow because we got a couple of important things I want to talk about with you tomorrow. Uh, I want to talk about our country and about patriotism and, and what is appropriate for, for us as Christians, we have a different citizenship. What is, is patriotism appropriate? And what happens when patriotism goes overboard and becomes its own religion? Thomas Kidd, who is a professor at Baylor, is going to join us to talk about that. And then Sean McDowell is going to join us as well to continue the conversation we're going to have later about 
gender and sexuality in the classroom and how we get our kids ready to head back to school with with all of that going on. So that's coming up tomorrow. Hope you can be back with us for that. I'm Bob Lapine. I will see you back tomorrow. Looking forward to it. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.